Hi, and welcome back to Astrology and You. I'm Maxine. And I'm Alice. And today we have such a special episode for you. We're going to talk all about Alice's new book. And we're also going to be touching upon some other birth chart signatures that we see with writers and some transits. Yeah, like writing is being an astrologer. I feel like writing plays such a key role in what you do as an astrologer, whether that's like giving written readings to people when you're first starting out or having like a horoscope column or even just like writing captions on social media for that type of content. I just feel like you have not you don't have to have, but it really helps if you already have like natural tendencies as a writer. Yeah, and that's interesting when you said that. It just made me think. I always say, like, teaching astrology, I'm like, you know, astrology is a whole language. You have to actually learn how to piece together the planets and the signs and everything into sentences and, you know, become fluent in a whole nother language. That's so true. Like, translating the language of astrology for um, everyone else. Yeah. So, okay, so that's a cool like little aha moment there I just had. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to get into talking about that as well. Um, but I really wanted, we're going to start off talking about Alice's book because she has a book coming out. Do you want to, sh- well, I guess first we'll give a little life update, but how excited are you to talk about it? <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to talk about my book. Um, we wanted to do a whole episode for it because I'm just, yeah, I think it'll be, I think people will really like it and it's kind of something different that, I haven't seen really done with astrology books recently. Yeah. And do you want to just like give a little preview? It's a relationship astrology book. Yeah. Yeah. So the title of my book is called Trust Your Timing because as longtime listeners of the podcast will know, I'm obsessed with predictive astrology and knowing that your life has a timing to it. And I also bring in like transits of when you might meet someone. Um, So yeah, my book is all about relationship astrology, but really getting to like know yourself in your birth chart through the lens of relationships rather than obsessing over is my sign compatible with someone else it's more about getting to know yourself first and what you really want and need out of a relationship oh I love that I mean I I think that's just such the core of understanding yourself through astrology and how it can help understand yourself but also just deepen your relationships and know other people better and how they need to be loved and all of that so I'm so excited to get into that but before we do um let's let's give a little life update because we were going to actually record this episode it's January 27th when we're recording but we were gonna record it two days earlier on Alice's birthday (laughs) but yeah but the universe happened (laughs) but the universe definitely had other plans that day um Sadly, my boyfriend's grandfather died a few days ago, so um, the funeral ended up being on my birthday. And yeah, I didn't want to make the day about myself, obviously, but it was... I had never been to a funeral before, and like it was really like an enlightening experience. Like I felt it was just like so much emotion in one place. And it was nice to be able to like be there for my partner because 30 in astrology is a seventh house perfection year. So it is all about like partnership and um, learning how to better compromise and be there for the people that are closest in your life, whether that's your good friends or your romantic partner or dating more. So it felt like so symbolic of like entering that seventh house perfection year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So definitely a different a different start to the year in that sense of like just 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like that was such a difficult start to the year in so many ways, but it's, yeah, a beautiful way of looking at that. Yeah, but I'm excited for my 30s. Like, I've wanted to turn 30 for, like, the past five years. Like, I really struggled with being in my 20s. So um, I'm excited for a fresh decade. And we definitely want to talk about this more on an upcoming episode. But, like, how there's, like, a different, I don't know, vibe and, like, how you feel about yourself the closer you get to 30. Like, 28, 29, going into 30. And that all has to do with the Saturn return. So we're definitely doing a... Our next episode is all about the Saturn return, well, where we will get into that more. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's so interesting to just with that because, well, I'll save that for our next episode. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> I think maybe before I give an update, I was just going to say we are, as I said, going to do our next episode on Saturn returns, but we would love it if you listening, if you have a story about going through your Saturn return, if you want to reach out to us. Yeah. So anyone that's been in their Saturn return in Aquarius um, for the past three years since 2020, um, write to us, tell us what house your Saturn return was happening in, because it was obviously happening in Aquarius. So just the house and the themes you noticed coming up over the past three years and maybe like a before and after, like this is what I was doing before my Saturn return. This is how much my life actually changed during it. I just feel like there's so much fear. Like people are freaking out about starting their Saturn return. And I wanted to like ground them in like real life examples. Like this is actually what happens to you. Um, so you have until February 7th to write us in those stories. And I'm just so excited for this episode. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, we did one a while back on Jupiter transits, like a retrospective. And that was so fun. So yeah, so yeah definitely reach out to us with that and share whatever you feel comfortable obviously we'll be sharing it on the podcast but we won't give names it'll be anonymous so before february 7th yes did you have any updates before we get into the episode yeah so i mean i don't really have any life updates other than just spiritual astrology school i wanted to just say thank you to anyone listening who has signed up for that i am so excited it went over so well and i was just I've been so emotional all week Mm -hmm. because of just how happy I am about it. And I'm so excited to get started. So um, yeah, we start February 1st. And if you're listening to this before then, feel free to join us. Um, You have to sign up before then, though, because that's when doors close. And yeah, I am going to be doing another round because people were wondering. um, So if you're interested in that, likely that'll be in August for a fall semester. That's so exciting. You like have an astrology (laughs) school now. I know. It's like honestly a dream come true. Like I'm so excited about it and I just see it being just all I'm going to be doing. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, everyone sign up for that. Um, (laughs) I would take I would definitely take it if I didn't know astrology already. It sounds amazing. Oh, thanks, Alice. Okay, well, let's let's get into your book. So I have so many questions for you. Um, I actually always thought growing up it'd be fun to be an interviewer. So I'm looking forward to, <laughs> yes. to this episode. Um, but yeah, so I think starting out talking about your book, Trust Your Timing, I think I just want to ask you, Alice, like starting out, what is the book about? I know you talked a little bit about this, but Can you give listeners like a vibe of your book? (laughs) Okay, yeah. So overarching theme to reiterate is relationship astrology. Um, But yeah, not your basic relationship astrology type of book. It 
is divided into three sections. The actually kind of four sections. The first part, like if you know nothing about astrology, like you don't really know anything outside of your sun, moon and rising. There's like a little mini section at the start of the book. Like this is how to pull up your birth chart. This is what the houses mean. These are what the planets mean. These are what the signs mean. Going through that, all that basic technical information. Then I really get into like, okay, now that we have what your birth chart even is, let's get into how to look at it through the realm of through the lens of relationships. So what are your moon, Venus, and Mars signs? Um, doing like a deep dive into those planets specifically, and then getting into like aspects those planets might make to other planets in your chart. Like why does someone, why do two people that both have like a Sagittarius moon expect express that moon so differently? I felt like I had to add in aspects there. Oh, I um, love that detail. That's awesome. Yeah. And so then I also have um, in that same section, like a part on relationship houses, like doing deep dive into like fifth, seventh and eighth houses, because I view those primarily as the most about like romantic relationships. And then the descendant line as well included in there. And then I love that the end of this section finishes out with like a chapter on like, why do relationships not work for me? Um, and so this is like for people that are like always feeling like they're the single friend or maybe it's just that like relationships are their biggest point of difficulty in their life and you fe- you may feel like kind of hopeless about that area. So really walking it through like what in your chart is signifying that and like how can you realize that your relationship challenges are actually your biggest gifts and something that you're here to like really learn how to master. Ooh, Alice, that's so exciting. And when you were sharing about that, I feel like it'd be interesting if you were open to just sharing about kind of your journey in relationships. Yeah, like that chapter of the book spoke, like that was the most fun to write because I felt like it embodied like every single element of how I approach relationships. Like that's definitely the most difficult area for me. Um, And that, I always struggled, like Maxine, you knew for the longest time I was like, couldn't catch a break. Like always, that was, my love life was always the thing I was complaining to people about. Um, And I just felt like that's what I had gained the most knowledge of because when it's the most difficult thing for you in your life, it's kind of what you fixate on the most and get the most curious about. Um, So I feel like that's where the inspiration for the book came in. Um, And then I didn't mention like the last two sections of the book, but the middle section is about like synastry charts, how to pull up your chart and compare it to someone else's and what are the primary things you should be looking out for when like determining um, relationship compatibility, like what to prioritize when you're looking at a synastry chart. And then finally, the last section is like introduction to reading transits and learning like when might I meet someone or when might I get engaged or married or why is my relationship so stressful at this moment? Like timing of breakups as well. So learning that there is a timing for everything. And that's like where the title of the book definitely comes from that section the most. That's so beautiful. And I I love how you divide it into those parts where you have first focusing on yourself and then bringing in synastry charts. Like if you don't know listening, that's comparing your chart to someone else's. And... Yeah, and then actually seeing the timing of things because I think that's something, you know, Alice, like when we give readings, I know people just really want to know the timing of things and it really is helpful to know, hey, this is not the time for love right now, but 
it will be during this these dates. It's like a better, more supportive time to focus on relationships then. Yeah, because it's just like, I feel like the society we live in, it's like you need to be swiping on dating apps at all times. Dating is a numbers game. And I like totally disagree with that. I just believe that like, you need to be living your life, doing your own thing. If you want to date, that's great. But I feel like there shouldn't be so much pressure to like always have that be at the front of your mind. Um, So hopefully that section helps people realize like, okay, maybe this would be a year where I should be more open to dating versus like this year, it probably is a more career focused year. Like that's really not like the priority. Yeah. And just going off of that, I know sometimes that can seem discouraging at first, you know, like if I'm giving someone a solar return rating or something and they're like, oh no, I wanted this year to be about love. But I actually think, you know, when I think back to my own life too, you need those years where you're working on yourself. You need those years where you're making strides in your interests and passions or career and other things, other relationships even. Because through that, it allows you to meet your person and it gets you closer. Yeah, like I would have never discovered astrology if I hadn't been single all those years because it was, I discovered astrology through being fixated on if I was compatible with someone. But then also like I had all this time alone. Like I wasn't, I didn't love dating apps. I didn't like love putting myself out there with dating. I was rather... I was more like, I would just want to spend time alone, like after work. And that's really where I had all that time to study astrology. And if I had a romantic partner through those years, there would have been no time for like, I don't know, like self-reflection in that way or like really having all that time to myself to discover astrology. Yeah, just like the rapid growth that you can have when (laughs) you have obsessive personalities. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's beautiful. I love how you just... It sounds like a really thoughtful layout of the book. So that's beautiful. Um, Yeah, I wanted it to be different than like what I've been seeing on the astrology book market out there. Like I feel like there's two types of astrology books that you can find. It's more, it's like, okay, there's these really, there's these books that are great, but they really only focus on like sun sign astrology or like sun, moon and rising or just like really kind of basic astrology knowledge. Or there are these books that were written in like the 1970s, 1980s that kind of read like textbooks or kind of outdated um, in the language that the author's using. And there were like, for instance, there were no books on like how to learn how to read transits to your chart. So I really like, I when I was choosing a publisher, I was like, you have to accept these more complex parts of astrology. Like I have to have transits in this book because there are no, like you can't find that in many books. Yeah, and I'm so happy you brought that up too because one thing I get asked a lot is when people are reading a book and then they'll get nervous about they read something is honestly like straight out they'll say the relationship is like not possible in a book. Oh <laughs> and, my god. But it's true because you know obviously if you're looking online you know to guard against that and kind of take things with a grain of salt with the internet. But it is true like I've even read books and you know where they were very much black and white where it said placements this means you know this person's doomed in that relationship it's just not compatible and Mm -hmm. so it sounds like you have a much more modern take on that 
Yeah, like I even say in the book, I'm like, nothing in astrology means that uh, it's astrology is not that black and white. It's never going to say, yes, date this person. No, that person's an awful match. Like it's way more complex when that with it. So hopefully that's what I'm able to convey through this. Yeah, and I, I love that you're actually like, finding the perfect kind of bridge between something that, like you said, you have the introductory stuff at the start and then it gets more complex as the reader goes along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, I'm curious too though, like what part of the book are you most excited for people to read? Or who is like even the person who you're most excited to like have that book fall in their hands? I mean, I don't want to be biased towards single people, but I really do feel like this is like the most helpful book if you are single. But like if you're already in a relationship, it still is really helpful for you. Also, like you can the aspects I introduced through like synastry charts, you can use that on your relationship with your family, with your friends. It doesn't have to be romantic. Um, But I was going to say, yeah, the chapter I'm most excited for is like really where I'm like, why am I always a single friend? Why do I struggle with having issues of control in relationships? Or why may I like need my independence and space? Like, why do you maybe like noting those, um, I don't know, patterns across the board that people might have in common um, and seeing how like you have certain chart configurations that make you kind of act that way in relationships. Honestly, that's going to be so helpful because it really does help you when you see those patterns in your chart and it just helps you build that self-awareness and also see that there's a different way that that can kind of be redirected or a more healthy outlet. So yeah, because I can't I mean, I've said this before, but like so many people are like, I have Saturn in the seventh house. I'm doomed. I'm destined to never find anyone. So just kind of setting the record straight of like, that's not the case for more difficult relationship placements. Oh, it sounds like such a beautiful book, Alice. Do you have any more specifics to the book itself that you want to share right now? No, I feel like that covers it. Um, And I guess you'll have to read more (laughs) to find out more specifics. But yeah, those are like the three core sections are like, okay, understanding yourself through your birth chart, then introducing synastry and comparing your chart to someone else, and then learning how to time transits to your chart. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. I just love how you have the whole package for that. Um, Okay, so let's talk about timing too, because I know it was quite the process writing it. And it's so cool to know the transits behind it and stuff. But do you want to just share a little bit for anyone who's curious about the, like, how do you find a publisher? When did they contact you? All of that. Yeah, the process for writing a book takes a really long time. I feel like publishing works really slow. So I initially had an agent, a literary agent, reach out to me in April of 2021. Um, and she was like, hey, like, I, I follow you on Instagram. I can't stop thinking, like, you really need to write a book. Like, I love the way you explain astrology. Like, would you be open to having a call about this? And I was very open. Like, I've wanted to write a book my entire life. Like, ever since I was a kid, I've known, like, I need to be an author. Like, that's just been my life dream. So we had that initial call. And I think at first, so we were kind of going over like what, what kind of angle to take the book with. The purpose of a literary agent is really to help you like craft a proposal that you then send out to publishers. So they're kind of like the middleman of like the author and the publisher. They help the deal get solidified. Um, so she was kind of going over like, what, what do you want this book to be about? And at first, I was thinking more of like 
um, a bigger range of topics like astrology about family, career, love all in one book. And then I got to like working on the proposal during 2021 and I was like, this is way too much. (laughs) And I also like don't, I don't specialize enough in like astrology, like family dynamics or have enough experience doing research of charts for like astrology of career that I could write a really good book on those topics. So, but astrology of like relationships and dating was what I had been like so focused on. Like during 2020, I had did like a call out for charts where I was like, um, if you're in a relationship now, can you send me your birth time? I want to look at like what transits to your chart were happening when you got into a relationship. And that was like during fall of 2020. And I just spent like weeks kind of like looking at what transits were happening in people's chart at that time. So I had like a lot of research and knowledge in that area. And it was what I was naturally the most interested in. So then I turned around and pitched to her, why don't we just make the whole book about relationship astrology, gave her an outline of what I would cover. She was like, I love that. Um, Let's do that. So then pretty much like summer of 2021 until spring of 2022, I wrote a proposal. Um, And so that really included like sales pitch, like why is this book needed? Um, Who am I as the author? Like, what do I bring to the table? Um, And then the whole outline of like what every chapter would look like and also three sample chapters. So that took a while. Um, And yeah, so that was like a lot of work I was doing when Saturn was conjunct my son in Mercury in 2021. So that was very literal. When you're stressed. (laughs) Yeah, like very stressed out. Also, we were making all those courses at the same time. And I was like, I also have to write this book proposal. And no one knows about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that so that whole process took about a year. And then we finally had the like, we, we felt good about the proposal. And then in May of 2022, that's when she was like, okay, it's time to send this out to publishers now and see who is interested in publishing this book. Okay. So I just want to pause there to talk about the astrology of that. Like now that you shared the story, because two things super jump out at me. So the first one being that you had Saturn on your son actually making it so that way your sun is like where you want to shine and be seen and it's in the house of relationships but Saturn there is like okay let's like you can't yet tell people about this it's kind of that restriction aside from yeah. The stress yeah it must have been yeah. so hard to keep that in <laughs> also like I didn't want to tell people because then it's like what if I had told everyone like I'm working on a book proposal and then no publisher wanted the book then it's like people are like oh what happened to your book and it's like well, no publisher wanted it. Like I could run that risk. So it's better just to keep it a secret until it's actually like a done deal. That's so interesting to me because I just see your chart and I'm like, you are a writer. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I know that, you know what I mean? But it's easier to see that in others than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that I just think is so beautiful is this was happening on the backdrop of your Saturn return in this house that is all about relationships, the seventh house. Yeah, it was kind of like, because the more personal anecdotes I write in the book are like kind of how I went about dating in my 20s. And that's so I feel like that's such a Saturn return theme of like, looking back at the past years of your life, and you're kind of like, you're feeling like you're growing out of it. But it's still like you're memorializing this these past three decades of how you've gone about life and how you've how much you've learned. 
Yeah. And it must have just been so healing even to do that reflection during your Saturn return and kind of having to turn up all the stones of the past. I feel like during Saturn returns, that's so common. And for you, it's honestly all about relationships. And also, I feel like for your chart too, with Sun in the Seventh, it's a lot about your relationship to yourself within relationships. Yeah. Like the Sun is my chart ruler too. So it's, yeah, it was a lot about like, facing patterns I had had up until that point well that's so wild okay so that takes us up to that part and then more recently what was that like okay yeah so um my agent sent out the proposal to publishers like at the start of mercury retrograde in may of 2022 and i was like are we sure this is a good idea but as i came to learn mercury retrogrades are actually so pivotal with writing and publishing ventures like it's actually like a great time to focus on those things because mercury is the planet of communication but anyways yeah i was just gonna say it's so (laughs) funny because whenever i like even just for myself with this program I've been working on, whenever there's a Mercury retrograde, that's always when I'm back at it, when I'm like looking at things, changing things. So it actually is so helpful if anyone listening, if you're a writer or you want to like reflect or edit anything, Mercury retrogrades can be great to be like, hey, I've worked on this. Now let's see and check in with that. Yeah, exactly. And it was also like... um I feel like there were some initial publishers that were interested and then because it was Mercury retrograde, it didn't end up happening with them. Um, but for the most part, it was like a positive response. Um, so then the like first, so we sent it out. Usually it takes like a couple weeks for publishers to like read over a proposal, decide if they want to move forward with that. Like they have to share it with a lot of teams within their publishing house, like the marketing team, all that stuff. Um, So the first offer came in about like two weeks later on May 18th, which was like a couple days after the Scorpio lunar eclipse. Um, And there had also been a Taurus solar eclipse in my 10th house. So it was like a big career win. Um, And then the rest of them started to come in like a few days after that, like the end of May through early June. So I got like five offers total on this book, which was kind of crazy. It's like just shows how much people are interested in astrology right now like that five publishers are like yes let's do an astrology book yeah Um, and also too with that Alice like having Jupiter in moving into Aries at that same time yeah oh my god it was literally crazy yeah May 18th so like what was the did Jupiter move into Aries like May 10th May 10th yep yeah so nothing was happening with this book the whole time Jupiter was in my eighth house of Pisces. And then the second it moves into my ninth house, which we'll talk about when we get into like transits of publishing, but Jupiter going into the ninth house, which is the house associated with writing and publishing. And literally a week later, I get publishers wanting my book. Yeah. And also specific to, to your chart, you were having your Jupiter opposition, which I find is so helpful if you're trying to attract attention or new opportunities or having help from outside when it comes to growth. So whenever you notice that Jupiter is in the sign opposite of your natal Jupiter in your chart, that's a great time for just attracting more opportunities for growth. Yeah, so true. And that Jupiter opposition typically, I mean, it happens at various ages, but like if you're like 29, 30, usually it comes in at that age. 
Um, and then also like that same month, Mars was also in my ninth house. So there was like a Mars Jupiter conjunction and Mars really gets things going as well. Yeah, which speaks so much to just the pace of it. I remember all of a sudden you were like, oh, I have a publisher. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that like publishers are giving their offers like end of May into early June. And then I made a decision on what publisher I wanted June 13th, right after the full moon in Sagittarius. Which so that was, was like the exact degree of Mars opposing your Jupiter in the house of writing. Oh my God. Literally. <laughs> so. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. And so also just like Sagittarius Gemini opposition, like it was Gemini season and Sagittarius full moon. Both of those signs are so much about knowledge and writing. Yeah. So just bringing all of those themes to the surface even more. And this speaks even to our previous episode, Alice, when we were talking about the lunar nodes and in your chart, you have a Gemini south node and also... And at that same time, we had the sun lighting that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this gets like one step more technical. I don't want to confuse people too much, but also like Jupiter rules Sagittarius and my Jupiter's located in Libra. So the ruler of the Sagittarius full moon is in Libra getting activated by the Jupiter opposition in Aries. If that makes sense. That's a little complicated. <laughs> I know what you mean, but I think it's going to be very confusing. It's okay. Well, basically, yes, it was a Jupiter ruled full moon. And because of what we mentioned about Jupiter and your chart being triggered, it just emphasized that all the more. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So then that happened. Um, the summer was pretty slow and then I was able to go on vacation thankfully, um, because the fall was pretty intense. I also like expected to have like a year to write a book. But when that offer came in, they were like, yeah, you have until December 5th to get us the final manuscript. I was like, what? Because it took me like a year to write a proposal. So I was like, how am I gonna write the whole book in like less than six months? Um, But yeah, it happened. So I started really writing it end of August, like, I think a little around August 20th, like when Mars went into Gemini. Um, And then, yeah, I spent the entire fall. Like I would have to work on this at least five days a week. Like I had no free weekends. It was like I had to write the book every single weekend. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I just think like even fast forwarding until like up until when you put in the final draft, that was the day before your birthday, right? Yeah. Like the, so the first draft of the manuscript was due December 5th and then um oh and that was also after like a Taurus lunar eclipse in my 10th house so it was like coming full circle from the solar eclipse in May when this happened until the lunar eclipse in November when it was like wrapping up um and then yeah what what else was I gonna say Um, I I just think it's beautiful how you wrapped it up right before your birthday too when your new solar return took effect so yeah, yeah yeah Yeah. And then, yeah, the, we had like two rounds of edits where I just went in and made some like changes to certain chapters and sentences and like made the wording sound a lot better. Um, and now it's fully submitted. I hope, I think there's still like stuff we, I have to go through with like a line editor where you see if there's like commas in the right place, like really technical, like 
is this spacing correct? That type of thing. Yes, Virgo energy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's so beautiful. Do you feel so accomplished like that you finished your book and you can be able to share it? I feel like I'll feel more that way. Like, yes, but I feel like I need to see the physical book in my hand. That will really hit me. That oh my gosh, crazy. you'll be so emotional. Also, this book comes out June 1st, um, and that is right after a ninth house solar eclipse, which is, again, like House of Publishing activated, and Jupiter and the North Node are right on my midheaven. So if you haven't listened to our episode on transits for positive opportunities and growth, highly recommend that because those are two transits we mentioned that were great for career, and it's like crazy that that was the date my publishers chose for the book to come out. I had no say in the date, and astrology reflects it I just I love when astrology does that when you go back and reflect on the past and then you see how the transits line up or things that you can't choose and it's just like okay well that makes sense (laughs) it's really interesting too because back in 2019 I had like a couple 2019 and early 2020 like before the pandemic I had a couple agents reach out to me about writing books and I got so excited I got my hopes up so much during that time And then they all fell through, like two or three of these fell through. And it just shows that like that was not the time for me to write a book with like 12th house eclipses. Um, And now it is. So it's really interesting that it actually happened when the transits were lined up in the right way. Yes, which speaks to your book itself and the title. I just think it's beautiful. Trust your timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this would be a great time to kind of pivot into talking about transits that you can see if maybe you're listening and you are a writer, what you can kind of use to your advantage to help you. Yeah. So looking at other transits, so we mentioned like the ninth house ones that were going on in my chart, like Jupiter going through the ninth and then also the solar eclipse coming up in my ninth house. So ninth house transits are really key to watch, usually like Saturn, Jupiter, or the eclipses there. And the same goes for the third house too. I've seen a lot of people get their writing published or take on bigger writing projects with Jupiter, Saturn, or the eclipses in the third house. Yeah. And I think too, just to draw out, yes, we're talking about writing, but this can also extend to other ways that you're disseminating knowledge, that you're choosing to take what you know and to share it with the world. So just to like kind of keep that in mind, like any projects that are writing based or teaching based. And yeah, like public speaking too. Yeah. And also too, one that I see a lot when people are working on writing is Jupiter through the 12th house. I see that a ton. Mm, That's interesting. So for example, because I'm just nerdy and I had to know, but (laughs) um, do you know Paolo Coelho? No. So he wrote The Alchemist, which I... Oh, oh my God. Yeah, of course. I haven't read that book yet though. Oh my gosh, you have to. Everyone listening, go read it. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so he wrote that book in the span, I think of like two weeks Jesus. And it's amazing and it's so profound and it's just beautiful when he talks about it just like flowed to him. But anyway, so he was having that when he was having Jupiter coming out of his 12th house into the first. I'm not exactly sure, but it was before his ascendant. So it's just beautiful to see how that timing, because when Jupiter goes through the 12th, it makes you you really 
be self-reflective and connected to spirit and solitude. And so I see that a lot in readings too, when people are taking on projects behind the scenes more. That would also make sense. Like if you're writing, like, cause especially with fiction, like you have to write the entire book before you pub- pitch it to publishers, whereas nonfiction is just a proposal. Um, so that would make sense, like having that solitude period. And then when Jupiter goes to the first house, it's like, yes, you're getting that attention and positive opportunities of like, someone wants to publish your book or the book might be actually coming out that year. Yeah, exactly. And he, that's what happened. It was then the following year when it went out, when it would have been and his late degree Taurus ascendant. And also lighting up his Jupiter opposition. And again, as we said, that showed up for you with your book. And I see that all the time. So it's so cool to see those patterns. I would also say like transits to Mercury too, like Saturn to my Mercury when I was writing the proposal. I also see that like other, like that's like intense research or writing period. So doing the actual like act of writing, um, definitely like Jupiter or Saturn or the, even the eclipses like to your natal Mercury. Yeah, and this gets a little more technical too, but also looking to see like, you know, what is the ruling planet of the third or the ninth house? Is that being activated by transit? And also too, you mentioned this a bit with yours, Alice, but Mars can be so helpful in helping you have that idea that you have, that inspiration, and just run with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Mars will make you want to act on something. So if you've been like, I don't, I don't have the inspiration to write, right now or like I don't really know what I'm supposed to say maybe it does take that like Mars transit through a third or a ninth house um to really like get you going there yeah and I I mean I think those are the big ones but I always see that Jupiter plays a big role yeah because Jupiter itself is a planet that has to do with like writing publishing knowledge yeah like Eckhart Tolle I remember looking at his chart once with he has um, an Aquarius sun, like you, Alice. <laughs> and um, he had Jupiter passing over, like, in the same sign as his son approaching it when he wrote his famous book, like, The Power of Now. So That's a really interesting. The writer I study the most is, like, J.K. Rowling's chart, because I'm just like, that is, like, crazy that you just came up with this idea for a book and then it turns into, like, a cultural phenomenon. Um, but yeah, I think when she wrote Harry Potter, um, it was like the mid nineties when the eclipses were happening in Libra and Aries, and those are her ninth and third houses. And then I'm assuming when the eclipses shifted to her second and eighth the next year, she's like an eighth house stellium. That was probably when she was getting a lot of money maybe to adapt it into a film. And then when they shifted to Leo Aquarius closer to the end of the 90s, um, that was when, I don't know, is this timeline making sense? (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I need to look up the eclipse dates. (laughs) But yeah, there was a lot of attention on her because of the book. Maybe it was the US release that was when those Aquarius Leo eclipses were happening. And that was, um, she's Aquarius rising and a Leo sun in the seventh house. If I'm not mistaken, we talk about this in our transit course. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we, we do a whole details, thing on her. We definitely get them right in that. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's cool to see how those transits really do activate that potential that those those people had within them, within their charts and in their souls to be wanting to be a writer, wanting to share their message with the world in that way. So yeah, so those are some transits that you can look for for sure. What about just like 
people in their birth chart like why would someone even be interested in being a writer or a storyteller in the first place like what what do you see show up the most in birth chart signatures yes I love that okay so I would say I mean one of them that's fairly obvious but if somebody does have an emphasis with you know for example having Jupiter like you do Alice in the third house that speaks a lot to wanting to share wanting to give that knowledge you know to the world um yeah but yeah, I, definitely third yeah. ninth house third ninth house placements are really common with authors yeah and also too I, I see it a lot it depends kind of like the type of book someone writes too but for example if we were talking about this earlier Alice but yeah if there's like Gemini or Virgo energy in the chart that usually is someone who's like very wanting to teach and wanting to be able to share things and categorize them almost like very more specific kind of things with their knowledge yeah Gemini Virgo because those are ruled by Mercury also like I see this with journalists a lot um like a Virgo midheaven because that's a bit more of like a technical writing where it's like you have to have the facts it's very straightforward it gives kind of Virgo energy and like that's what they want to do with their career Mm. yeah and it it's really interesting to me too because what I also see with writers a lot that I mean you wouldn't really expect this in terms of oh that means they're gonna be a writer but oftentimes I'll see an emphasis on the eighth house yeah, that is and true. Like an eighth house or 12th house, someone who really likes to spend time alone because in order to write, you have to be able to create the space for that idea to, you know, blossom within you. And I think that's why I see that so much. But yeah, they just have such a creative or big imagination with those placements too. Or, you know, maybe that's why I see it a lot. But definitely like moon in the eighth house or sun there or a stellium really common yeah um I was gonna say with eighth house especially if you're writing like fiction it's just such like a good understanding of like human dynamics and like psychology of people and I feel like that interest there of observing and understanding how people work like makes you able to convey that into writing um like for instance the creator of the tv show the white lotus mike white that just came out a couple months ago like huge tv show loved it he has a lot of eighth house planets um i think the ruler of his midheaven is also in the eighth house and i just feel like that is so shown in like the tv show that he's written um of like how are all these relationships between these people working together and it like really gets into like kind of the darker side of human nature at times Mm, Yeah, and that brings up a really good point, too, because what I also see a lot in people's charts is no matter what they have in terms of wanting to share in the form of writing, the stories that everyone tells shows up in their charts. So if someone has, you know, I don't know, Taurus in their chart, maybe they're more philosophical, or if someone has Sagittarius, maybe they're more optimistic in the way that they write or you know it kind of speaks to the different stories that people want to share yeah like Sagittarius like larger than life I'm still I still have JK Rowling's chart pulled up on my computer but like Sagittarius midheaven we didn't mention that but yeah Sagittarius midheaven would be like um like larger than life like fantasy world which is what she did with Harry Potter well, even, you know, when you whenever I think of Sagittarius, I immediately think of Oprah because <laughs> um, she has a Sagittarius rising and moon. And I just feel like, you know, even though you would argue that, OK, she's more famous for this or that, but she 
is so good at sharing a story and making it come to life and I feel like that's so much part of her genius and she has like sun and venus in the third house which is great again like bringing it back to third ninth so good for like storytelling or interviewing um and just like being good with words So, I mean, we could go on and on, but I think those are some things to look for. Not only, you know, looking for specifics in your chart, but also looking to see how you, like, what you're actually here to share with the world. And that speaks to so much more in your chart than any just two specific houses even or certain planets. But, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, one last one maybe wanted to mention is, like, Mercury maybe in an angular house just like the angular houses kind of like scream out at you it's like pay attention to me uh so the first fourth seventh or tenth mercury is like a bit more prominent in your chart and so there would maybe be more of a focus or attention paid to mercury themes of communication not saying that if you have mercury in a different house you're not a writer but i'm just saying like that would be another signature yes exactly or i also see that a lot with jupiter in an angular house too I think the difference is like Jupiter is much more, it's a different effect. It's wanting to teach even these different, more even maybe spiritual topics, you know, so it just depends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good intro though to astrology of writing and publishing. Yeah. So hopefully that gave you, if you're, you are interested in that for yourself just knowing that that's not an exhaustive list so I do want to say that so no one feels like bummed if you don't have that but it's a great place to start and start to uncover your gifts that you might have there even if you don't think of yourself as a writer there might be some opportunity to use your words to help others yes okay um I think that's all we had for today (laughs) I'll wait Alice also share a little bit about if someone wants to learn about your book if they want to pre-order it right because when we're doing this podcast, yes yes it's not out it's open for pre-order um it comes out june 1st but i have um all the links like on my website in the also on my instagram page so if you go to stock alice on instagram or alicebellastrology.com you will see places to order the book it is coming out in the uk first we were like, we went with a UK publisher because I have like a bigger journalistic presence over there because I do the horoscopes for British Vogue, but it will be coming out in like American bookstores in late, later in 2023 or early 2024. That date isn't finalized yet. But yeah, so you're ordering it kind of from abroad right now. (laughs) That's beautiful. Well, we're going to put that link in the show notes too. So if you're listening and you want to go check it out, um, we'll have it linked for you. And I think that's everything. Did we get to everything, Alice? Is there anything else you want to add about your book? No, just that I'm excited for you guys to read it. And I look forward to hearing your feedback. Oh, I love that. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.